This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One. Going into the year two, we understand a lot of those things necessary to be competitive and win games. Now it's how do you do it week in and week out. As the Tigers travel to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Touchdown, mighty Tigers! Coach Kelly is coming up, but first, from inside the Capital One studio on the campus of LSU, here are your hosts, former Tiger, Gordy Rush, and the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Well, good Monday morning. Great to be back with you here. It's game week. LSU football getting set to get back out on the field after the bye week and uh, traditional bye week, which means that sets up a heavyweight match. Coming up in Tuscaloosa on Saturday evening, prime time, CBS uh, SEC game, and it'll kick off just after 6.45. But Gordy Rush, uh, we got a lot to get to today, of course, leading everyone up to 12 noon. Coach Brian Kelly also will discuss what uh, took place, the positives from uh, the off week and going into game week preparation. But well, let's go back a little bit. We didn't get a chance to break down the Army matchup. LSU dominating that game, winning 62 to nothing. I think before that game, we sat here that Monday before, and we said in a perfect world, LSU comes off to a quick start offensively, doesn't allow them to get any momentum, any confidence, and, and you're able to rest most of your, your number ones. And as it turned out, Jaden Daniels got to play the first <laughs> half and put up Heisman-like numbers again. He was uh, masterful. And LSU took care of business the way they were supposed to. I know when you look at that matchup and you say, what do you take from that? What do you glean from that moving forward now that you step back in uh, against a top 10 Alabama team? But there were some things, and, and I know you talked about it on the broadcast. What did you like about what you saw in the 62 to nothing win over Army? You know, first off, I think from a – first off from – from a team aspect, you want to come back after an emotional rivalry like Auburn. It's always, uh, regardless of what the records are, it's a very physical football game. Anytime you play Auburn, you want to be able to bounce back. It's a non-district, uh, non-conference game. It's a game you're supposed to win. And LSU came up and played at a high level. First and foremost, I thought the the business approach to that was uh, right on spot. Secondly, for me, uh, I thought the defense, Chris, continues to gain confidence. And Army was struggling on offense, right? But they put now a, a half against Missouri, a full game against Auburn, a full game against Army in this kind of new look four-man front with Perkins at the Sam Nickel position, the same cast of characters, the same personnel. And they they continue to improve as a unit. And like you said, I, I thought Jade was just so efficient. 11 of 15, 279 yards, passing three touchdowns. They ran the football. They scored at ease. They got the job done. Again, it was not a perfect game in the sense that LSU did not come out unscathed from an injury standpoint. There were a couple of guys who did not play against Army in hopes that they would get that week off plus the bye week and then this week to get uh, back to 100%. But you saw a couple of go down in that Army game, and i got to believe coming up at 12 noon, if not the first question, one of the first questions is going to be about the health of some of the Tigers. No, absolutely. And I think the the big one is going to be Zai Alexander, the cornerback who went down with an ankle injury, did not return to uh, on the football field. And, yeah, when you, when, when you look at Alexander, he really did settle in at the cornerback position. In fact, Coach Kelly talked about in the press conference two weeks ago, Chris, 
they moved him to what we call the field corner into the boundary, the boundary corner where he was long. He could use his arms. They could play press coverage. They would roll him up and play cover two, and he was really playing at, at a high level. So the big question mark, who's going to play at that position? And then Makai Wingo has missed some football. Is he going to be available on Saturday night? Again, we expect those to be covered uh, with Coach Kelly. Is probable, doubtful. He's got uh, his range to let us know, and I imagine that will come out pretty early on but again lsu took care of business uh now all time the tigers one and one with the army black knights with a 62 to nothing victory was a great night by the way i thought lsu did a tremendous job in 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 honoring uh the armed services and west point as well as all the pageantry you'd like when you looked at the matchup on paper wasn't going to be much it wasn't much but again it was a great night to be out at tiger stadium i think enjoyed by everybody absolutely what a great experience i i, I mean all around the pageantry of playing army i i think the you know the opening of the football game uh governor edwards out there the the uh, at the toy at the coin toss rather and then um the, the folks flying in the paratroopers it was it was a special night again lsu now six and two on the season they will jump back into conference play they will take on seven and one alabama in tuscaloosa we'll take a timeout. we come back we'll find out what gordy thinks of this 2023 alabama squad and uh, then hand you off to coach brian kelly coming up at the top of the hour it's the brian kelly press conference right here Coach Kelly is just moments away from previewing the week for the Fighting Tigers. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One. Once again, here are Gordy and Chris. Well, getting back into the swing of things after a week up, it's amazing what you forget, Gordy. Yes. You know, I mean, making sure you push all the right buttons <laughs> and turn the right mics on. But uh, nonetheless, we're getting you ready for Coach Brian Kelly, who will take to the podium at the Lawton Room, uh, to the assembled media, talk about uh, what the Tigers put in over the last several days in the bye week, as well as uh, the rest and recovery, and what to expect in the matchup coming up on Saturday. So, Gordy, I think at certain times this season, both of these teams, from a national perspective, have been written off. Alabama Mm -hmm. early in the year, I think LSU uh, a little later in the season. But as it turns out, here we go, headed in, to the first weekend in November, and it is a national televised game in primetime between uh, a one-loss Alabama team, a two-loss LSU team, and once again, implications for the SEC West, possibly the SEC, and who knows, the college football playoff uh, will be battled for on Saturday night at 645 in Tuscaloosa. Well, it's tremendous parity in college football, and, and you know I think there, there's a lot of football left, and a lot of top teams still may fall, and, and you're exactly right. I think whoever wins this football game uh, really has a, a good path to, uh, to Atlanta with Ole Miss still to travel Georgia in, in two weeks. And uh, and just looking at their remaining schedule, you got to feel good about uh, both LSU and Alabama. Whoever wins this football game, look, I think the storyline for Alabama this year has been that they their struggles on offense, particularly at the quarterback position. Uh, Jalen Milrow was uh, a guy last year that that was able to come in and and sub a little bit for Bryce Young, a tremendous athlete, but really was was known for his ability to run. He struggled early in the season against Texas. They benched him against South Florida, and in the rain down there, they played in Tampa. It was an awful football game, but they won 17-3. to And gradually, Tommy Reese, they've gotten better production out of Jalen Milrow. And I think the, the thing that's going to jump out at Tiger fans, if you haven't watched Alabama, Chris, is that the last three games, Jalen Milrow has gotten it done throwing the football. 
he had not Jane Daniels time, but in terms of like, like Jane Daniels, not those sort of numbers, but he's been able to strike for big plays. And the number that jumps out at me, the last three rushing performances for Milrow, 12 yards against Texas A&M, negative 19 against Arkansas, and only 36 against Tennessee. I mean, you're figuring this guy was going to go for 100 a game when you saw him last year and he was quarterback. So he's evolved and uh, he's making some plays with his arm this year. Yeah, I mean, I think coming into this year, a lot of people felt like Alabama maybe didn't have that total elite wide receiver core, but they had a really good one, maybe one of their best in a couple of years. Uh, and whether or not they could get a quarterback, they could get the ball to them. And to your point, I mean, you look at those rushing numbers now, it's not as if Alabama and Coach Reese are relying on him running the football at all, um, which, again, we touched on in the last segment. LSU, the big concern coming in is the secondary. Number one, who's going to play? Right. Number two, how are they going to stack up against a very confident quarterback now with a pretty good group of receivers. He's building confidence. Jermaine Burton's been fantastic. He's been their number one receiver, and they've got some good people out there with Prentice and company. And then you knew Alabama would get around to, to running the football, the one-two punch of McKellen and Roydell Williams. Uh, you know, it's Alabama. They're going to have running backs. The offensive line has improved their play. This is not the, the 2019 Alabama Crimson Tide but they are certainly made a lot of prog progress this season. Well, it's one of those teams where I, I think you nailed it. it. It's probably not one of their more elite offenses, right. but this defense, um, don't sleep on it. And, and I know early in the season people felt like, well, you know, Texas was able to you know, have their will against Alabama. Okay, well, that was week number one. There's a lot of things that change. And, and it's hard to believe, and, and, and sometimes you really have to look at it this way, Teams do get better yes. as the year goes along. We can talk to uh, talk to about LSU's improvements, but Alabama defensively. When I take a look at these two teams, I see LSU offensively atop basically every statistical category in the SEC, both overall and in conference games, which I should note is pretty impressive. Then you start to look at the defensive numbers, and you don't see Alabama at the top, but you see them in the top three and in the top four. Um, uh, to me, I think that's the other storyline is, is how is Alabama going to defend, you know, this LSU offense, which over the last several weeks, really outside of game number one has improved running the football, both with Jaden Daniels and Logan Diggs. Uh, we, we, you know what you have outside at the receiver position. What do you think Alabama wants to do, Gordy? Do you think they want to come in and go, okay, it sounds odd, but maybe we do want to force Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, and Brian Thomas Jr. to beat us. We're just not going to let you run it. Wow. Uh, and have success on the ground. You think they take that well, approach? I, I tell you, I, I don't think as a defensive coordinator you can go in trying to just do one thing. Ellis is too good. Um, Jaden has seen the field at a uh, high level. I think they, they do a great job of getting to the line of scrimmage um, and, and audibling and getting themselves in the right play. And so to your point, I think the question is, is this, Chris. Alabama has probably the best secondary. LSU is going to uh, is going to face this season. Do they feel like they can handle neighbors and Thomas in man coverage when everybody else in the league has been running doubles at right. it? And so are you going to try that? And certainly they're going to try that some. This is Kevin Steele is now the defensive coordinator at Alabama. We all know Coach Steele was here with LSU for a short time. Fantastic defensive coordinator. And like everybody else in college football, not only a first-year coordinator, but also dealing with the transfer portal and people that have not been a part of your program for a number of years. So uh, like Matt, the way Matt House is now 
tinkered with this defense, and he's got them to play at a, a higher level. The same thing has happened with Kevin Steele. And, and so you're going to have to do uh, – I think you're going to have to do a lot of different things. And the first and foremost, what you need to do is be able to stop, do a better job of stopping the LSU rushing attack, which a lot of people struggle. And then for me, Chris, it's containing Daniels and keeping him in the box. A year ago, Jane Daniels was able to run the football against Alabama – and Alabama defensively really, really struggled in accounting him in the run game. So for me, I think that's where it starts. You're going to be able to stop LSU's run game and account for Daniels without having to allocate extra people in there and leaving yourself in man coverage against these fantastic LSU receivers. You know, I think you can look at a number of statistics on paper, and again, that doesn't always play out when when the lights are on and, and, and you get out on the field. But you look at some of those things you just touched on, and the difference makers in this game of inches sometimes becomes penalties and obviously turnovers. LSU's done a great job this year, uh, I think second in the SEC in turnover margin, um, one of the tops in turnover margin. Alabama has, has been loose with the football a little bit, uh, certainly more so than we expect. And from a penalty standpoint, the last several games LSU uh, in conference, maybe uh, those double-digit turnover mm-hmm. or penalties, I should say, um, you know, Coach Kelly, I still feel like, believes that was an anomaly. He thinks his team is much more disciplined than that. Uh, Alabama also has had some really head-scratching penalties this year, which in this type of matchup, in so many different ways where you could argue LSU has a strength or Alabama has a strength, I think, once again, those two categories will stand out and be magnified on Saturday. Hey, it was one of the storylines last year. I'm trying to flip through and go back uh, to the statistics. Alabama had over 100 yards in penalties last year here in Tiger Stadium. And, you know, In fact, Eli Ricks had three huge interference calls that, that, that were a part of that uh, football game. So definitely that's going to be something of it. And I think both teams are improving. Both teams are peaking at the right time, the second half in which – Alabama scored 27 unanswered points on Tennessee to run away with that football game, I think is a sign that they're headed in the right direction. And we know LSU, um, since the second half of the Missouri game, has been playing some of their best football. You mentioned your thoughts on how Alabama will try to defend LSU and, and again, not try to be you know too one-sided or try, take just one thing away. The flip side of that is, again, we talked about the the weakened secondary as far as numbers and players that LSU has at their disposal. Hopefully, maybe we get some good news here in the next couple of minutes from Coach Kelly. But if not, uh, your idea of how Matt House will go about trying to control Jalen Milrow, has, as we said, which hasn't been his running. Right. Does Alabama want to come and run the football against LSU, or do they want to try this secondary early and often in the game? Well, obviously, LSU's weakness has been their their secondary although it's been improved i like i I think the key for for alabama defending alabama is one to stop run and number two it's containing uh milrow and not going and missing him and allowing him to create and make big plays i think there's some some parallels between milrow and and kj jefferson if you recall the arkansas quarterback if he didn't beat lsu often from the pocket but when he was able to shake a tackle, he was able to create. They were able to get in a scramble, scramble drill, and that puts your defensive back in jeopardy, defensive backfield in jeopardy. And they've got to cover more than three or four seconds. That's when big play ha- happened. And you look at this Alabama team this season; they've hit on so many big plays. And, and I think that is the challenge for them. It's got to be some sort of smart, contain rushing when you go after Milrow. How do you think Harold Perkins Jr. is utilized against Alabama? Is he, is he a spy at times? Uh, because, again, right. 
I, I think some of the things we've lost with Harold Perkins is his improvement in coverage, which, again, we yes. knew was, was one of his weakest part of the games. But in this particular matchup against Milrow, who, as you said, is more dangerous when he extends a play to throw it than even to run, how, how do you handle Perkins? Do you, well, do, you, do you mix that up a little bit, make him confused? My, my percentage of snaps, uh, if you would ask me this question at the beginning of the season, my percentage of snaps at Perkins at the spy would have been considerably higher. But he settled into this, this Sam Nickel position. I think he's comfortable with that. He is much improved in drop in, in pass drops. And then I, I, I like Spates. He's he's playing really well and he's athletic as well. So I think you'll see some, but you're not going to quite see as much. And and again, what's fun about this matchup is uh, the open weeks, the bye weeks. So both coaches have now had two weeks to sit here and think about it. So you'll see some wrinkles that you haven't seen the last couple weeks out of LSU. How big is this game for both programs? In your opinion, here in 2023? Well, I, I think it's huge for, for, for both. I mean, for, for Coach Aben, obviously, uh, he's disappointed what happened uh, last year. There's not too many years left in Coach Aben. I'm going to get into the discussion when he's going to retire. And, and for him to get back to where Alabama's been, he's got to go win this game to go beat LSU, and he's got to go beat Georgia to get where he is. For LSU, I think, um, you know, after uh, so the disappointing one or two, the two losses that LSU's had, it's a chance to get back on pace where you expect to be each year. So it's a huge game with LSU getting Florida and Texas A&M and Georgia State still here, all in Tiger Stadium. You win this, likelihood Georgia's going to be the favorite the following week. Uh, this is where you want to be if you're LSU. All right, let's go to Coach Brian Kelly. Games that uh, it'll put you uh, in a position to – uh, challenge for an SEC championship. So we got to go on the road um, to Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, we've got to ra- raise our level of preparation this week. It's not about rising up to the competition. It's it's rising to the level of uh, preparation necessary to play an outstanding football team in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. I think, um, you know, Coach Saban and his staff, Coach Reese should be commended for you know what they've been able to accomplish offensively uh, since early in the season and you know obviously committed to uh, uh, Jalen uh, he's uh, he's really done a nice job throwing the football uh, I think a lot of people were questioning his ability to throw it um, but uh, he's been effective efficient um, big plays um, Certainly uh, Bond uh, and Burton at the wide receiver position have given them playmakers. Uh, They're physical up front. I think they're massive on the offensive line. Uh, Williams and McClellan at the running back position. And, of course, their defense has been as good, if not better, than anybody consistently over the last six weeks, giving up 21 points or fewer. Um, Turner and Downs and... Arnold, there's a number of players. Their defensive line is stout and physical. Outstanding in special teams. Um, Shard is one of the best in the country. Uh, So, again, we know what we're up against. Um, Outstanding football team on the road, um, playing at Alabama, and, um, you know, a great challenge and a great opportunity for us at the same time. So uh, we'll practice today um, and get an opportunity to – you know, begin the preparation for an outstanding football team. So with that, we'll open up to questions. Brian, right in the middle. What did yep. uh, you use last week for? What did you kind of drill down on? And, and was it a back to fundamentals thing, a rest thing? What did you? 
Yeah, I think a little bit of everything. I think we talked about it last week. I think it was important for us to to do some self-scouting, some things that we needed to work on. I think it was important that, you know, from a technical standpoint, we continue to grow technically in some areas, um, you know, on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, and then, you know, you still want to meet a, a workload, um, you know, criteria because, you know, you just can't continue to go through the season and then all of a sudden, you know, put up a stop. Um, so we got to about 70% of our average workload uh, last week and uh, gave the guys some active uh, rest over the weekend. And then uh, they reported last night and we're back to work today. Hey, Brian, could you talk a little bit about your relationship with Tommy Reese? I know you try to get him to come here with you. But then also when you watch Alabama on film, you'd see things that look familiar when you two were at Notre Dame together. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's, there's a connection there. You know, he played for me. Uh, we've got a, you know, a, a deep connection relative to um, a player-coach relationship and then a respect for him as, uh, as a coach and, and what he's done in this profession at an early age. He's, um, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for in, in what he's done, certainly uh, at Notre Dame and then, uh, you know, in a very short time taking, you know, an offense and, and transforming it, you know, quickly during the season. Um, you know, he's a competitor. Uh, he always was as a player. Uh, and uh, you can see that as um, uh, a coordinator. Uh, his teams are going to be physical. Uh, they're going to run the football. Um, uh, they're going to push the ball down the field. Um, and, and they're going to, more than anything else, they're going to utilize their personnel uh, as um, he'll He'll mold uh, the offense uh, to fit the personnel. And I think that's what smart coaches do, and, you know, he's an outstanding football coach. Hi. Um, what can you say about the work ethic and the attitude of the players going into one of the toughest games of the season? Well, they've exhibited a great work ethic. I, I think, uh, you know, any any program is, is built on a standard of of work. And, and look, I mean – this game requires an incredible commitment. Um, and so our players um, have been committed to that end. Uh, and certainly uh, it takes more than just a work ethic. It, it takes a, a consistency uh, week in and week out. Um, and and I, I like our mindset. Our, our team understands uh, that it's more than just, you know, coming into work. It's working efficiently, um, purposely. And um, I think that they've done that over the past, um, you know, year and a half where they've understood that it's not just about working, it's about working uh, purposely. Hey, Coach, um, could you update the availability of Deuce, Denver, and Zai uh, ahead of this weekend? And, and I guess Ashton Stamps, where he's at with his rehab of injury. Deuce is not available. Uh, Denver's not available. Zai is not available. Uh, Ashton Stamps will practice today. Coach, if you're in the same position that you are last year, will you go for two again? Uh, <laughs> the exact same position? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, that's a feel of the game. Um, so it's, it's really hard to answer the question. Uh, I felt like the game itself was such that our guys were executing at such a high level that that's that was kind of what prompted that decision. Um, so I think I think from my perspective, um, 
you know, it's it's really about a gut feeling at the time more so than, you know, what, what's the perfect scenario. And uh, I think the feeling was that we were executing at a high level at that time. It was time to go for it. Coach, right here, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, inexperience in the defensive backfield. What have you seen from them during the bye week coming into a big game like this? Well, um, They've been around long enough now. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're into the season now, eight games. You know, they, they had, you know, some time here in camp and some, you know, we had some mid-year enrollment. So, you know, to, to say that they're inexperienced, yes, they haven't played a lot of SEC games, but they know what they're doing. They, they understand our techniques. They know what's expected of them. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in a position where, we feel comfortable and confident that they can go out and get the job done. Um, so um, even though they don't have a lot of SEC games underneath their belt, um, they're quite capable of going out there and, and playing at a high level. So I'd say more than anything else, you have to have confidence in your players and their ability to do it. Um, and, and I've got confidence that, you know, whether it's Jeremiah Hughes or um, uh, Javon Toviano, um, Ashton Stamps, um, all three of those freshmen can go out and, and uh, you know, play at the level necessary for us to, to win a championship. Coach, is it harder these days and when it all costs and pressure to win to stick to your long-term vision of a program and the guys and the standard that you want to live up to as opposed to the short-term gain of maybe playing somebody to help you win a game? Well, it's never been a problem for me um, because I have a vision for our program, and, and the vision includes more than just winning. Um, it includes developing um, excellence both on and off the field. And, and so we're certainly not there yet. You know, we have to continue to grow relative to the identity of our football team. So I know I'm hired and fired on wins and losses, but I've never really worried about that. Um, this is the fifth program I've taken over, and, and I've always built the program uh, based upon excellence in the classroom and on the football field. And then that process has usually taken care of itself, and it's equaled success. So the question is, is a good question, but I don't think I've ever looked at it that way. Um, and it helps when you have a 10-year contract, too. Um, and so... Again, that's not been my motivation in, in any way or shape, fashion. It's been much more about, you know, developing uh, a championship program um, in, in all of those facets, first and foremost. Hey, Coach, you uh, complimented the Alabama offense with the way that they've sort of adapted from the beginning yep. of your town. What, what have you seen specifically with Jalen Milrow and the way that he's adjusted from the opener to now? You know, I think at first, you know, there was this sense that he was just going to run all over the place, right? This is going to be a running quarterback, but but he's not. I mean, he'll run, and and, and he can go from zero to 60 as, as well as anybody. Um, and, and he is a threat to run. There's no doubt about that. Um, but he's going to stand in the pocket. He's going to throw the football. And... Uh, the, the way they create offense is, is through a balance of running the football, uh, formationing you so you can get some shots down the field. And he throws the ball well. I mean, he's a, he throws the ball well. And, 
and he can hit the open targets. He can push the ball down the field. And so I think what, what he's done really well is when he's been given the opportunity to take shots down the field, he's hooked up. He hasn't missed receivers. When, when, when they've created the opportunities, he's, he's come through for them. And I think that that's been impressive. Two, if I can. Uh, you, your offense has clearly established what it's capable of. How much is this week about them not trying to be something they're not or trying to do something they're not because the game is obviously elevated? And then secondly, uh, in the post-game video against Army, I think they gave you a game ball or something. You said something to the effect that, you know, you're really enjoying your time here. This is maybe your most enjoyable time. I'm just curious why. Um, you alluded to the development of players. Is it because of kind of the, the development that you've seen this team from week one to kind of pull through? Yeah, I think the offense clearly recognizes their ability to um, be explosive but have balance on offense and defense. So there, there's no reason for them not to be anything but who they are. Um, and so I think that there's a confidence level that, um, you know, if they prepare the right way, if they stick to their process, that they're going to have success. And, and so I think that that's been their mindset is just practice and, you know, put in the preparation the right way and things will take care of themselves. Um, what I was alluding to is essentially that this is a young group of players. You know, we traveled 21 freshmen again this weekend. Um, we had a, a, a slew of uh, – transfers come in on defense and and it was really a new group uh that we had to um kind of you know on board if you will uh in the second season and so just the development of the football team has been enjoyable um watching the growth of the football team um they've done everything we've asked them to do uh they um have done the little things um and and it's been hard it's not been easy you know there was a difficult loss to start the season there was a very disappointing loss on the road but um they they haven't backed down at all and and that's been enjoyable as a coach coach right here in the middle um are there any other injuries to report particularly maybe makai wingo uh yes makai had surgery he is out for the season out for the season yes okay. um so well, I'd say this, uh, the, the projections are six weeks, so we'll see where that, you know, where, where that goes. Right. Right. Okay, and so on the D-line, you know, who, you're looking to fill that void, and how does his absence on the D-line sort of affect that group? Next man up, um, you know, we'll rely on uh, the rotation that, that you saw pretty much uh, against Army. It'll be the, a similar rotation. Coach, do, do you ever have time or, or an interest maybe in the off season to to look at the history of a like the history of the rivalry LSU Alabama or a series or jump into that kind of history at all? Even though I mean, it might not even be important. No, Mike. Mike updates me. Mike is my my local historian. Uh, he he will and and as you know, he carries history very well because he's been here so damn long. Um, he he can he fills me in. Um, how many years has it been? No, that you've been here. He's been here thirty years, so he is a resident historian. So uh, no, I, I think Mike does a great job of of filling me in on a lot of the history um, of all of the games from and and during the year I learn about Mississippi, Mississippi State, uh, the Auburn games, you know, um, this Alabama game. And for me, it's exciting, right? Because 
I get immersed in you know some of the great games and the great rivals and the great names that have been part of this game. So I love it. I think it's exciting. And for me, because you know I had been in the Midwest for most of my career, um, I catch just kind of you know uh, the highlighted games. And and so to get filled in on some of the other ones uh, has been has been really fun. I was wondering if ever, like after you finished the game at Notre Dame and got home, if you ever happened to catch any of an LSU Alabama game over the years. Oh heck yeah! I mean, I'm I, I love watching college football, so it certainly would have been a game that I would have watched. Um, you know, I remember some of those slugfests when it was ten to three, ten seven, some of those tight tight games, um, great defense on both sides of the ball, um, fighting for every inch, um, just some classic games, uh, and really enjoyed watching them. Coach, when, uh, when Coach Saban speaks, he talks about the process and not outcomes, and I think you say a lot of the same things since you've gotten here. Um, how much do you uh, maybe see some similarities in terms of organization and your viewpoint on things, and do you observe – other successful head coaches, read up on them, take notes to help yourself? Yeah, you know, I think most um, head coaches that have been in this business, um, you know, clearly understand that, um, you know, the the process of what you do and how you do it is, is probably, um, you know, most important, you know, to the day-to-day. And, and you know, we've been in it a long time, both of us. And, and so we have developed what our process is individually through our years of experience, uh, sometimes good and bad. Um, so he has shaped what his process is and, and how that um, has been so effective for him. And likewise, I've, I've shaped uh, the process that I use uh, on a day-to-day basis based upon uh, my experience. So I think, I think you'll find that... Um, in many ways, um, coaches, you know, focus in on a process instead of outcomes because it's so important to develop that with your team. Yeah, Brian, right here. Uh, with Nick, he's adapted to so many coordinators over the years, like every few years. Uh, how does a guy do that and, and just keep it, the, keep it consistent? Is that something that you kind of look at like, I don't know how he does that? That's a great question. I think it's been remarkable. Um, because, you know, you're bringing in, you know, uh, a different personality, a different person. You know, he does such a great job of vetting that out and making sure that they fit. And, and clearly, you know, what Nick talks about on a day-to-day basis, they have to obviously um, be in lockstep with him. And, and, and that just goes to the great leadership that he provides on a day-to-day basis. So you got one voice, uh, and it's Coach Saban's voice, uh, and everybody else is, is following in line with that. And so I think that that's allowed uh, multiple leadership positions underneath him to come in because uh, he creates such a clear message um, of what is going to take place on a day-to-day basis. Here in the middle. Um, with Jaden Daniels, uh, you know, fair or unfair, I think a lot of people that are watching the Heisman hopefuls are going to look at this game in particular for him um, and, and see how he does. Do you, given all the football you've seen him play and obviously, you know, your very nuanced view of, of what he's done here, do you think that's 
fair and is that something that I mean what's your expectation it'll be part of the body of work um, throughout the entire season you know he's gonna have other games he's gonna have the Florida game and Georgia State and Texas A&M and postseason but it'll certainly be part of the body of work if he throws four interceptions and you know you know, certainly uh, we don't play well. That will be part of the body of work throughout the entire season. Um, so, again, I, I don't know that it's one game that makes or breaks a Heisman. I think it's the body of work, and I think we're seeing that as the season, you know, plays out. Um, but certainly, um, you know, he's going to be judged on the entire season, and there'll be a lot of eyes certainly on this particular game. Hey, Coach, over here. Uh, so what's the status of uh, Emory Jones uh, from his injury? And wh what have you seen from his Lance Hurd just to have that luxury of a guy that, as a freshman, that's played a whole lot of football and has done pretty well for you all? Yeah, Emory's practicing. Um, we had him moving around last week, and, you know, he participated in our workouts. Uh, but he'll be a full go for practice today. Lance has done a great job of, of coming in and um, playing at a high level. Um, great to have a true freshman to come in and uh, compete at the level he did against Auburn and, and an Army. Uh, so he'll be ready uh, and prepared if, if we do, in fact, call on him. Just curious what you've seen in Alabama's defense. So much of the talk has been about the progress on offense. Yeah, I mean, well coached, stingy. Kevin Steele and his staff do a great job. Um, you know, again, as I said, I think that there's not a lot of air in that defense. Um, you're going to have to be uh, on top of things. Um, we're going to have to be very balanced. Uh, you can't just want to just throw it all over the place or think that you're going to go in there and move the line of scrimmage. They're big and physical up front. The linebacker play is outstanding. As I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, Turner, uh, Baswell on the edge, they, they, they're long and athletic. And, Look, they're, they're both 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds, um, and, and they create problems in, in the pass rush and, and certainly, um, you know, can run and hit. So it's a really good football team. It's Again, I, as I said, I think it's the best defense um, in all three phases. Um, and, look, I, I, it's the challenge that, that an offense like ours, um, you know, really is is up for uh, and will have to play their best um, but that's what this is about right is you want to be your best when your best is needed and our offense will have to be at their best when their best is needed uh, just to, just to confirm Brian uh, uh, Chestnut and Harris any chance they could be eligible to play Saturday or is like no, no they're not playing okay uh, I'm sure a lot of LSU fans following our tweets and watching live, probably freaking out a little bit about the fact that you have all these defensive backs out and now Wingo is out for, the, out for the rest of the season. How do you deal with this? Obviously, you've got a great offense going. This is, not your first, this is not your first big game, but it's a big game, and you're missing some key pieces uh, on your defense going. Yeah, you know, clearly we'd love to have, um, you know, Wingo in the lineup, but he has an injury, and you know, we're, we're built for uh, injuries. You can't be built for 11 players. Uh, we have depth. We have good players that will step up and uh, be ready to play, and, and we'll play at, at a high level. So, um, again, it's part of football. Um, in this game, if, if you lose one guy and you're, you're not able to answer the bell, then you're not very good. Um, we think we've got a good football team. Um, we're going to miss them. Um, but we have guys that will step up and, and compete at a high level. 
And down here on your right. Um, talking about next man up, uh, Jordan Jefferson, but also some backups like Paris Shan, Braden yeah. Swinson have all played really well for you all this year. Kind of, what are your thoughts on those guys coming off the bench? Yeah, I think Jordan Jefferson's playing at a high level. Um, it's graded out probably as our, our best defensive tackle. Um, physical at the point of attack, uses his hands well. It's getting great separation. Gap integrity has been outstanding. It's playing really well. Parashan, technically very, very good. Um, grading out at, you know, at the top uh, for our defensive line over the last three weeks. Uh, and, and Swinson's been really good in pass rush. So um, those three guys, we, you know, as much as it hurts that, you know, we don't have a few of the guys that we got in the portal um, at the defensive back position, um, those three guys, uh, and, and having Omar back too uh, makes a difference. Um, having a veteran linebacker who um, knows the game really well, uh, those four guys have made a significant difference for us. Hey, Coach, uh, just yeah. to clarify, with, with Zahi's unavailable for the Alabama game specifically, not just for, like, today. He's unavailable for the Alabama game, and as I said, he could be out for a significant period of time. Okay. Yes. Um, and, uh, and with your, with your secondary, with your younger corners, how do you sort of prepare for a guy like Milrow who can really chuck the ball downfield? Like, how, what, what kind of emphasis is it on you know, trying to stop those big plays downfield? Yeah, you know, look, as I said, the, these kids, they're elite players coming out of high school. I mean, they're elite players. Um, and now you're putting them in a position where they just have to be confident and trust their technique and, and trust what, what we've taught them. And so now it's now taking that trust and putting it in from preparation to performance and, 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 and playing emotionally at a level which allows them to do their job. And I think we've been at it long enough now where these guys are ready to go. They got no choice unless you're ready to go. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, we could have a matchup problem. Um, but these guys are ready to play. And, and look, um, they're, they're young. Um, many have said inexperienced. I get it. They haven't played a lot of SEC games. Um, but these guys are really good players. And they'll get out there and they'll compete. They'll compete for LSU. You mentioned Omar. Uh, just what kind of settling factor has he been since he's come back? Well, he's, you know, again, you know, we had Witt in there, and everybody loves Witt, and I love Witt too. He's athletic. He's fast. He runs around. He he really is going to be an outstanding football player for us. Um, Omar brings a, a settling influence out there with Greg Penn. You've got two veteran players um, that have seen it, done it. Um, have played a lot of snaps. And as much as we talk about the back end of the defense that don't have a lot of snaps, it's nice to be able to come back and have, you know, two veteran linebackers in there uh, communicating uh, to the back end with two safeties that have played a lot of football. So we're really, you know, looking at the, the veteran presence that he brings, and, and it's an added advantage for us in terms of having him on the field. Great. Thank you. That'll wrap up this week's Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Capital One.
We'll close things up right after this break. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One. Well, that'll wrap things up today for the Brian Kelly Press Conference. Unfortunately, not the injury update anybody was looking for. In fact, now expected to be without Mikai Wingo for the foreseeable future. Again, there was one bright spot. Ashton Stamps expected the freshman cornerback to practice today. Stamps with six games of action this year. Last time out against Missouri. Coming up on Thursday, it's the Brian Kelly Show making its return to TJ Ribs beginning at 7 o'clock. Love to have you there. Hear Coach talk about the matchup this coming Saturday. If you can't make it to TJ Ribs, you can tune in on the LSU Sports Radio Network and streaming worldwide on the LSU Sports mobile app presented by BASF. Then coming up on Saturday, we get things started at 4.30 with LSU Game Day presented by Three Olives. Hunt Palmer, Marlon Favorite, Brandon Taylor, they'll set the table for LSU and Alabama inside Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. As Gordy Rush, Doug Morrow will join me for the call of the game with kickoff just after 6.45. Thanks to Gordy Rush sitting in once again today. Thank you for stopping by. Be back here next week for the Brian Kelly Press Conference. Until this Saturday from Tuscaloosa, this is Chris Blair saying so long, everybody, and go Tigers! This has been the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One.